right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. We are going to have a good time tonight. Amen. If you're in the coffee bar, make your way to the sanctuary. Seems like on Sunday nights, we were just always really having a blast back there. But, you know, hey, we're going to have a blast over here. How's that sound? Yeah? All right, very good. Hey, we don't have the caffeine on this side, but we can still have fun, you know, even without the caffeine. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, we are going to go ahead and open up our service tonight by speaking some words of faith over our United States of America. Can we stand up together tonight? Praise God. And we're going to speak these words of faith, and we are seeing a difference in the name of Jesus. All right? Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. Yeah, America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give the Lord some praise. You can be seated this evening. All right, hey, we had a good time this morning, didn't we? Man, I was just thinking about the offering and the communion, and the, it was just a wonderful morning of worship. I loved it. All right, we do have a few announcements. In fact, we've got a lot of announcements, and I'm like, man, we, I thought we were going to slow down after January. It's like we're going 2.0 in here. It's, it's getting exciting. Um, first of all, ladies, you have the women's meeting this Friday night. I've never seen men so excited about a women's meeting. I don't, you know, hey, they're just happy to be here. Uh, but it, Pastor Katie is going to be teaching that, and you're going to hang out with her and, and uh, have a good time. They're doing sandwiches veggies and fruit so if you want to do some of that you just bring that on out and you girls are going to have the time of your life uh, also coming up starting thursday february 17th at 6 30 we're going to be doing our servant leadership nights again and uh, this is going to be once a month it'll be the third thursday of each month and this gives you a chance to either get more involved and uh, and also we're going to do some leadership teaching you're going to hone your own leadership skills and you can also help us with planning the, the upcoming events and business of the church. So it's really, if you're ready to kind of go up to the next level, it's going to be absolutely awesome. And so you are invited to that. Uh, and then after that, we have the Seventh Day Slumber Concert coming up, all right? On Saturday, February 19th at 6 p.m. at Barstow College. And you've heard me been saying this all month, but you do need a ticket. It is free, but you need a ticket. So go ahead and go to the link there and reserve your tickets and uh, and make sure you have that because we want you to be there. It's going to be super fun. All right. Now, uh, this is exciting. We have baptisms coming up again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have the ushers pass this around for us. It's going to be on Sunday, February 27th, the last Sunday of this month. And, hey, we've already got seven people signed up just this morning. So praise God. Yeah. 
Uh, so go ahead and get signed up for that. And, uh, of course, uh, make sure you fill it out just how you want your name on the certificate and whatnot. But that's an exciting, exciting time uh, for us. We absolutely love seeing baptisms. And we know that uh, that's not what gets you to heaven, but it is something great that Jesus himself did and Jesus said to do. So it's absolutely uh, a great, great thing for you to do. All right, young adults. Do we have any young adults here? Yes, we do. I see you. You're there, right? Well, one on the front row right here. Wow, this guy. Wow. You're the young one. Wow. Sir, we're, that, you're in children's ministry. We're, we're talking, hey, Pastor Katie, you and Phil in on the young adults. Okay, so young adults is like this. We haven't had it in forever. So, which is forever. So, if you have a high school senior, not to be confused with an AARP senior. Okay, there's a difference. We love you AARP seniors. But I had one ask me tonight if they could come to young adults. We love you. We'll take all the food you want to give us, but no. (laughs) So if you have a high school senior, they are welcome. And then 18 to 30 as well. Okay. So I have no idea where it's going to be at just yet. It's probably going to be a victory. And I have no idea what we're doing, but it's going to be fun. And I think it's, isn't that, isn't it the tartar sauce night? Okay. It's national tartar sauce day. So I'm probably going to fry you things to go with that. (laughs) So young adults who have been to youth group and frustrated that there are middle schoolers that you're next to all the time. We love you. We're trying. So please come to young adults and try it out. 18 to 30s who have been only going to Mary's, please come to young adults and bring your friends. People who you only see at church once every six months. Bring them, okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Yes. Praise God. We are excited to get the young adults group going again. And again, it's been a little while, but we are ready to do that. Okay. Now, here's the big news of the night and the day and the month and the year. It is our intentional parenting class. Woo! Now, if you're already a perfect parent, just let this sheet pass you on by. But if you're like me and you could use a little honing of the skills, uh, this class is for you. And so I'm going to pass this sign-up sheet around. The class is going to start on the first Sunday of March. So that is March the 6th. It's going to be from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. It's one hour long. It's a five-week class. Now, the cost is $25 for the book. And also, we're providing child care for this. So, I mean, I really encourage you, if you're a parent, I've even got grandparents, you know, coming up and wanting to go to it. And that's awesome, man. Uh, but it's going to be a really, really important class. And we're also going to open it up to people that aren't even from our church, you know, because uh, we, we want to bless all of Barstow. And I think the whole city could use parents that are doing it for Jesus. Amen. Not just us. And so, uh, the sign-up sheet's going around. And uh, Pastor Katie... Uh, when they do go to pay, did we say they could pay in the bookstore? Okay, when we are okay. Okay, got it, all right? So you'll, the books will be for sale in the bookstore, and you can buy your own book before the class starts, okay? So anyway, that's going to be absolutely awesome. Lawrence and Leah are in charge of our family life ministry, yeah. And so they're going to be the ones uh, hosting the class and teaching it and everything. So it's going to be really, really Awesome. All right. I think that's the last announcement for now. That's, we got a lot going on. Aren't you glad you go to a church that has some stuff going on? We're not just sitting on our, uh, 
on our laurels. I think I heard someone say that. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. Amen. Let's get the ushers up here. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. And one of our anointed, awesome, wonderful ushers, they will get you a envelope. We're going to open our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus 27. Amen. We're talking about the tithe right now. Now, the book of Malachi clearly tells us that there are tithes and there are offerings. And so it's one thing to give an offering, but we know that a tithe is a tenth. And so let's see this Leviticus 27 and verse 30. I'll read this in the NLT here. And the tithe is really, an, I mean, it's a powerful thing. Uh, we got some hands up out here, ushers for envelopes. Um, so the tithe is a powerful thing. And, you know, sometimes people are like, man, that's old, that's old covenant law. And I'm like, brother, read your Bible. The tithe came into existence way back in Genesis before the law of Moses. And then it's in the New Testament after the law of Moses. That's all over the place. But what we're reading right here, Leviticus 27 and verse 30, in the NLT, the, the law for them was one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. And so this this produce and this grain of the field, the produce of the land or, or of their flocks, this was their income. This was their, you know, they didn't fully operate on a currency system, so to speak, like we do. And so they were to bring, you know, if you got... Uh, if you're a sheep farmer, you know, is that what you call them? Anyway, uh, every tenth sheep, you bring one to the Lord. If you're an apple farmer, every tenth apple goes to the Lord. And if you are a worker at Fort Irwin or the railroad or the, the school or wherever you work, every tenth dollar, we give it to the Lord. And why is that? Well, it says right here, it's got to be set apart as holy. It belongs to the Lord. And so when something's holy, it's set apart. And I don't mess with holy things, amen. Uh, things that belong to God, I, I present it gladly to God, amen. And he, as Malachi 3 says, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great, you don't even have room enough to receive it for yourself. I was talking to a new believer the other day. They had some Bible questions. They said, I didn't understand this whole tithing thing. All I knew was, hey, I've been reading the Bible, and it says to do it, so I started doing it. And he's like, I didn't even like doing it. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. And, and so then he starts telling, but I started, you know, this, my, my, basically my finances have blown up since I've done that. It is, I mean, I've got money coming every direction. And he's like, I don't want to let money, you know, change who I am. I said, hey, it's not because you're a holy man and you're going to do good things with that. But it's exciting to see when the word of God comes in and it works and it changes our lives forever. Can I get an amen? All right. Let's stand up together tonight. Praise the Lord. We're going to speak some words of faith over our finances. Bring it on up to the Lord at the altar. And then Josh is going to lead us into some worship. We are going to have a really, really good time. Let's do this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, Rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. scream it out from every mountain top your goodness knows no bounds your goodness never stops your mercy follows me your kindness fills my life your love amazes me and I'll sing you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to me Sun and rain, 
my life celebrates that you are good, you are good, and with a cry of praise, my heart will proclaim that you are good, you are good, in the sun and rain. Celebrates that you are good, and you are good, and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, and you are good to me, and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because. You are good, and I shall, because you are good, and you are good to me. And with a cry, and with a cry of praise, my heart will proclaim that you are good, and you are good. And in the sun and rain, my life celebrates. You are good, you are good. Let's sing that again. And with a cry of praise, my heart will proclaim that you are good, you are good. And in the sun and rain, my life celebrates that you are good. together and I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to me and I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good and you are good to me Just you let my heart want for nothing but you just you the riches of this world could never satisfy let my heart want for only you you're my
Take a minute and just worship the Lord with your own words. Tell the Lord how much you love Him. Sing that again. Sing for me.
but you, just you, let my heart work for nothing but you, just you, the riches of this world could never satisfy, let my heart work for only you, let my heart work for nothing but you, just you, let my heart work for nothing but you, just you, the riches of this world could never satisfy, let my heart want for only you. One last time, let's sing for me. For me, for me, only Jesus for me. so wonderful to be with a bunch of people that love you and for us to be able to close our eyes and open our hearts and raise our hands and be like we're by ourselves with you Lord in our prayer closet we know we close our eyes and open our mouths and our hearts in your presence Lord <laughs> we, got, we, we got a one on one audience with you Lord but Father it's so grateful to be here and enjoy the corporate anointing of the family of God coming in here and all of us together bringing what you've given us together and comes together, Lord, and wow, it explodes and it gets big and it changes lives. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us do this. And Father, I just want to remind myself again and talk to you and just say these words. You may be God to the world, but you're Father to me. And I want to thank you for a boldness in the body of Christ to just quit generically saying God and start talking about Jesus. Start talking about the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the whole family in heaven and earth that belongs to you, Lord. Thank you for boldness, a fresh boldness like the book of Acts where they went forth and they preached, they taught, they did miracles in the name of Jesus. And it got so powerful that the religious authorities took them, arrested them, put them in the religious jail, and beat them, commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore because it exposed false religion and it revealed 
the true Father. So, Lord, thank you for that boldness again. Oh, thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. There I went again, got in my prayer closet, had a private conversation. <laughs> but it made public because I was on social media and had the mic turned on. But I'll tell you what, it is time for us to start talking about Jesus a whole lot more than God. The whole world talks about God every day, but all the different religions there are, a lot of them talk about a different God. But when we talk about Jesus, that changed it all. Then we know who we're talking about, which God we're talking about. Amen. Talk about our Father. I just, I, I, I just praise Him for my salvation. And I'm thinking about life. The longer I do this, and the older I get, the more I have so conscious of the people around me that don't know Him. The Lord just moved us, put us in a new community, and Miss Pastor and I have got our fillers out every day to meet our neighbors and talk about Jesus to them. I tell you what, we got our antenna up. And, I, and I, we live around a lot of really wealthy people now. And all I think of is that without Jesus, they're not going to go to heaven. We've got to influence them and let them know about Jesus. You know, I think about that song we're just saying about the riches this world can never satisfy. That we have got to become less self-conscious and more Jesus-conscious. We've got to become more serious this is not my sermon. This stuff always happens. Now I start talking. Here it comes. But we got to be more conscious of the Bible, Matthew 6, 33. It said, put the kingdom of God first, and all these things are added to you. And, you know, I think about, I'm just thinking about, uh, I, was talk, I was talking to Amy a while ago. I just, man, you know, a lot of you stand out to me because I see how you're growing, how you're changing. And I told her the wonderful progress we've seen in her Christian walk for the time she's been here. And she made a statement. And it's been my thing for 42 years. She said, I'm addicted to church. She said, i got to be here. And I just think about the people that come here on Sunday mornings are great Christians. And I think about so many of them that they only come maybe two or three times a month. And I think about how the Wednesday night's available and how, how, how the little bit of time slot it takes out of a week to come out on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night to come back and get more. And as a pastor, I think about how much more victory they'll have in their life. I just think about what it does for us because they put the kingdom first and then all this time they're wasting trying to get the things. Jesus said, I had the things. You know, I can't tell you how much things have been given me in my lifetime. But because things mean nothing to me, I give things away. When we came to California, we gave a church away to another church. Gave them our building. Just said, here, guys, let's go down to the title office and sign it over to you. Yeah. Throw cars away, too, lots of stuff away. But then I'm thinking about our lifestyle, and, you know, I just think about, I talk, talk to the leaders of the church here sometimes. It's inter interesting what some of you see that we don't see. Uh, Jamie went to the conference, so did Doug and Alexis. They went down to the conference this week, was down there, son. And Jamie was talking to me a while ago about Dr. Barclay, how he ministered to her and all those kind of things. She asked me, said, how long has he been your pastor? So told her how long he's been our pastor. And I said, I've actually known him since the early 80s, though, when I was a baby Christian. And I said, he used to scare me. He just kind of fresh out of the Marines. And when he preached, he barked. And, you know, I just said, man, I felt like crawling under my seat when he visited the church. I said, he wasn't our pastor. He was a traveling minister. He visited our church. And every time he, every time he came there, I really felt like he was talking right to me. I was a young Christian, new Christian. And I was on fire for Jesus, so I was kind of a wild Christian. 
and I kind of didn't submit to authority like I could sometimes because I wanted to do everything. I was wild, and he, he talked about rebels and stuff like that. Man, he'd get to me, and i think, oh, oh, like that because I needed to hear those things. And so I, I was telling Jamie how he used to kind of scare me the way he talks, and she said, and I said, he's really toned down. I said, oh, he's still like that to me. I said, you guys are too. And then I saw something. I said, you know what, Jamie? I said, we're like the state police that gives out tickets. They picked up so many dead bodies on the road, seen all the mangled up cars and families, that they give you a ticket to save your life. They see you going down the road on your stupid cell phone going like that. They picked up so many bodies with that cell phone in their hand that dead people, they do that to help you. And then people say, those mean police, they get tired of seeing dead people. Well, as pastors, I, I told Jamie, I said, in my Christian life, I've seen so many Christians start off right and then back off, go goofy, wasn't getting it. And we picked up their bodies, spiritually, sometimes their natural bodies. I was talking to another church member uh, a couple days ago about how many people from this church we've seen that have the opportunity to get what we got that we've done their funerals and they died before their time. Either through accidents, sickness, and disease, they had the same chance. And so that's why we preach about how to live right, about how to be moral, how to do what the Word of God says to do, because, you know, one of the saddest funerals I ever did was a 42-year-old man had five kids, had a young wife, and he and I were just like that. We traveled together, did things together. He died before his time. And when you're a pastor that stands in front of a congregation of crying kids and relatives and stuff like that, and you see things that could have been avoided, you want to warn the rest of them, don't go down this road. Amen. And so, you know, when Jamie said that, I thought, man, I didn't know I preached that strong. She said, like Dr. Barkley, I didn't know that. But I guess when you've got the call of God in your life like we do, you don't like doing funerals for people to die before their time. <clears throat> you don't like to show up with all of a sudden it's just the husband, just the wife, or just the kids. Pray for my dad and mom. They split up. Pray for this. Pray for that. My family's broke up. And, and my dad's in prison. My mom's in prison. By the time you see things like that, you get a chance to talk to people that are sitting here, people that are listed. Why are you going to sugarcoat it? You know, I, th I think about... You know, I think about surgeons sometimes. Sometimes pastors are like surgeons. And, you know, when a doctor goes to cut something bad out of somebody's body and he hurts them, because it hurts sometimes through surgery, he wasn't cutting them to hurt them. He was cutting them to save them. If he didn't cut that out, that thing out of their body or do what he did, they would have died. And so you don't say, oh, that old mean doctor, we're not going back to doctors. Well, that doctor was the meanest one there ever was. That really hurt. Are you living now? So when you get around pastors <clears throat> or spiritual leaders that tell you the truth, it might hurt. But boy, I'll tell you what, if you get out of sexual sin, if you start providing for your family right, if your mom and dad get along now, if the kids get away from the wrong people and start doing right, it might have hurt for a while, but praise God for the results. Amen. And so that's just kind of how this thing works. We're here. We're here to save lives. And you're the lives we save. And then the good thing about it, all of you good students of the word, good disciples, you take what you get 
and you go out and save a lot more lives maybe than what we do because of people you influence. Amen. Well, that was good preaching. I'll have to play that back and see that. <clears throat> I want to show you a book out of the bookstore called The Real Faith. The Real Faith. That, that, that's really a very, very, very simple, concise book that I think teaches some basics of faith in one of the best ways of any little book I've ever seen. We've got lots of these at the bookstores. I saw lots of them. I don't know, I got this, I think I got a copy of this. I've been pastor for a lot of years, but one of my friends had a church dedication for a church they started, and he gave one of these to everybody walked through the door that day, and I pulled mine out last week again. Why did I? Because I wanted to start reading it again. Well, pastor, I read the books, and I just throw them down. Well, uh, did it taste good the first time? Have you ever had a good hamburger? Well, you get a lot of veggie people, too. Have you ever had a good broccoli? You know, whatever good stuff you've ever had, if somebody offers you broccoli or hamburger or steak again, you say, no, I, I ate some of that before. I, I, I've already ate that. Well, did you use up those calories, though? You know, is it good to eat it again? Do you need strength and nourishment again? I go back and read the same things over and over again because if they lit my fuse last time, then I want my fuse burning again. And so these things help me. So those are in the bookstore, and they'll really help you tonight as you turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I know Dylan's out there watching off the internet somewhere, so Dylan, thank you for the cheers from home. But anyway, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the title of the message is Walk by Faith, Not by Sight. Walk by Faith, Not by Sight. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Hey, man, that ought, that ought to be a familiar verse to you. Walk by faith, not by sight. I want to read it. And it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And I think probably some people don't understand what that is. And we want, we want to teach it to help you be able to walk by faith, not by sight. Because if the Bible says to do something, then you ought to do it. It says be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I was, I was thinking, as we were worshiping men to go about what I'm going to talk about tonight, and I was thinking, man, I think probably big majority of our Christian walk is by faith. Amen. And you know, I think about pastors and Bible teachers, people may not understand it. We get anointed when we get up here. That makes what we do up here easier. But we have to live by faith all the rest of the time like everybody else. And it takes faith to get up here. Amen. And so most of the time, Christians don't really feel anointed. That's when you're living by faith. And actually, that's the highest level of faith. Because Jesus said, blessed is one that believes but hasn't seen. And so to walk by faith, not by sight, I've always said it this way, that means to live by the word, not by your feelings. Live by the word, not by your feelings. As a matter of fact, the way this whole sermon came about, uh, I stay filled up the best I can. I wasn't able to get a sermon until right before I walked over here. And so I'd just been praying in tongues a bunch, and I, went, I had Miss, dropped Mrs. Pastor off at prayer. I went to the ministration building to be by myself. As I walked through the door, I'd been praying in tongues for an hour, and I wasn't getting anything yet. That's how I get my sermons, praying in tongues and talking to Jesus. I walked the door, to, and uh, I felt about as dead as a doorknob. Walked the door over there, and I said, I want to thank you, Lord. Your word says that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I know you're here. Didn't feel anything. And I went in there, sat in my little easy chair. I got over there in the, in the apartment area over there at the building. And so I sat down. I thought, man, this is what Christians need to know how this thing works. 
And then I was thinking a while ago about a story. There's a man named Keith Moore, got a really large church right now. But when I first uh, met Keith Moore, when I first sat under him, he was the uh, main leader of Brother Hagen's uh, Bible school for the healing ministry back in Raymond. And I started sitting under him, so there he was good. But after he was pastor, I heard him talking one day, and he made this statement. He said when he started off, one of the first jobs he got to do was be Brother Hagen's driver. And you know, Brother Hagen, we talk about him all the time, got a lot of his books, great influences. And he said, you know, he's just a, a young guy getting started, and he's got this mighty, mighty, mighty man of God sitting in the back seat, he's in the front seat, says we're going somewhere, and all of a sudden, Brother Hagen goes, whoo! And he, he sat there and thought, oh, wow, God's in the car. A little bit later, he said, Brother Hagen went, whoo! Again. And he said, they're thinking, boy, I'd like to feel it. I don't feel anything. I said a little bit later, brother, I went, whoo, did you feel that? He thought, man, I want to say, yeah, I felt that, so you know I was spiritual. And he said, I better not lie, this is a prophet of God. He said, no, I didn't feel anything, brother. He said, I didn't either, I just tested you. <laughs> and so I want to tell you this, when you feel the whoo, or don't feel it, he said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you, he said, I'll always be with you. Amen. Amen. When I went to Bible school back in 1982, 83, I remember I had, had, had a teacher teaching a class on prayer, and he made this statement, and I've said it a lot of times, but he said this. He talked about how you pray by faith because you're praying the Word of God and know that he honors his Word. And he said, if you've got to have goosebumps and the hair set up the back of your neck go, God answered your prayer, I'll get you a block of ice. Said every time you sit on it, you get your goosebumps. You say, "Well, I know God's here." Hey, Amen. I want to help you. You know, I, I, I've told you so many times. I can't tell you how many times I was anointed to preach to the ones out here, and I'd have an altar call to get saved, and I'd think, "I don't feel saved at all. I don't feel anything. I'm preaching this. I'm anointed because anointing's working." I was thinking, man, I have this altar call. If nobody was looking, wouldn't judge me. I'd get over there and say, I want to get saved. Salvation is not a feeling. Amen. Serving God's not a feeling. Why would he say we're to live by faith? If you got a feeling, you don't need faith. Listen to what I'm saying. If you've got a feeling, you don't need faith. And you know, praise God for the times in a church service when it's so obvious the Spirit of God's moving, when it's so obvious things are happening. And I remember my pastor's wife years ago when I was, when I was a Christian sitting out there, she'd make a statement all the time, and I know, I, I know there wasn't anything wrong with it. She said, if you don't feel God in here, you're not saved. Most of the time she said that, I never feel a thing. And so all I do sit there myself, and I say, well, I know I'm saved, so I don't feel you. I'd like to. Maybe all those other people were doing what Brother Hagin tried to get Keith to do. Maybe they were thinking, I'll go woo, because she said go woo. But you know what? That's got nothing to do with anything. That's called emotions. It did not say you live by emotions. Well, I just feel God. Well, to start off with, I, I'm not going to go down that road, but that's totally unscriptural. You don't feel God. He's a spirit. God is a spirit. You can't feel a spirit. You can sense his presence in your spirit, you sense the presence of God, and then definitely it'll spill over onto your flesh, 
but you don't feel him. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway, uh, this means we live by the word, not by our senses, not by our feelings. And so this is real Bible faith. Now listen to this. I wrote this down by the Spirit a while ago after I started getting this. Real Bible faith is when we can pray, praise, live, preach, serve, serving Him, even when we feel nothing. We come into these church services. I don't know about you. A lot of times I don't feel anything, but boy, by the time I get up here and start praising, I start worshiping, I start to get something in. But the thing is, when you come in, you praise Him, not because you feel it. You praise Him because you know the Bible says praise. You serve because the Bible says serve. You pray because you're supposed to pray. You do those things. And I remember when I was walking through the building a while ago, walking in there, I started praying. It felt like I was talking to the walls. But as soon as I said, I know you're here because your word says you'll never leave me nor forsake me, that's when things started moving. Amen. And so, you know, you don't need just to be praying thinking, man, I wish somebody was listening. And, you know, let me tell you something else, too. Something I've never prayed probably in 42 years since I learned about how spiritual things work. I've never prayed anything I was doing. Lord, please be with me. Well, then that means you're doubting his word. In the very last verse of Matthew in chapter 28, he said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. And so why would you ever ask him to do something he already said he would do? If you're saved, why would you ask him to save you? Amen. You know, if you're a tither, why would you ask him to rebuke something? He said, I'll do it. You just thank him. You're rebuking the tithe. That's what you do. So he said, he said, I'll be with you always. I go to fly on an airplane. I, I don't say, oh, Lord, please be with the pilot. I'm on the airplane. He's with me. So the pilot has no choice. He's blessed. I go down to these places down. I, I, I was a truck driver for a lot of years, but I still don't like California traffic. I despise California traffic. But I'm not afraid of it because I know that Jesus is right there with me in the car. The angels of God are with me. So I never pray about those things. I say, Lord, I want to thank you. We're getting ready to go down to San Diego. We're not talking about my wife. She can be with us because with her too, he's with us. Amen. And so, you know, that, that that's just a freebie for you. You might want to adjust your prayer life instead of asking him to do something he said he'd do. Thank him, Lord. You just might start thanking him that he's with you. Amen. And so when we don't feel spiritual or anointed, feel nothing, what does the word say? You stick with that. And so uh, because we know Bible verses in our hearts about our eternal salvation or walk with Jesus, we just keep on going and doing what we know to do. You feel nothing, you just keep on doing it. And then if Jesus wants to give you a picture of footprints in the sand, then that'll help you. And I'm saying that in a very, very, very real way. That, that was very much a spirit-led person that did that poem, paid that picture, because that's what our life's about. We're going through life every day, and with that, with that man, that footprints in the sand said, what about these times, the roughest parts of my life, there's only one set. He said, where were you? He said, that was my footprints, that wasn't yours. He said, I was carrying you, that's why there was one set. And how many have noticed that the roughest times of your life, Jesus did the most? You felt nothing. You know why? You were living by faith and not by your feelings. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Amen. 
2 Timothy 1.6. And you know, uh, the longer I've been doing this, the less fearful it is to preach. But I know a lot of the young people in the church that have raised up and, and, and have ministry things and do things have asked me a lot of times about, uh, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, Pastor. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to I say, welcome to the club. You know, even, even at this point in time, you know, you have, to, you have to just suck it up and say, Jesus, you called me to do this. I've trusted you. And, Lord, I yield myself to you. I'm not going to say something stupid. I'm not going to say something that caused somebody to get in trouble in life. I'm just going to speak what you want. I yield to you. And so many times, and that's why a lot of times for me, everybody's got their own style. I get up here. I close my eyes start praying when it's my turn because I want to get into the spirit and let him come through me. Even if I'm shaking and fear and trembling about what am I going to do, what am I going to say, I close my eyes and go to that secret place of the Most High, and then I start praying like I'm talking to him. And how can you get in trouble if you're full of the Word of God and you're talking to Jesus? And then people listen and get blessed because it's me and him having a conversation. And so anyway, 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, Wherefore I put them in remembrance that, that thou stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. That's what I was doing when I started praying as I walked through that office. So I stirred up the gift of God which is in thee. And in this case, he said, by putting it on in my hands. And so as I, as I seeking God about what he wanted me to do and get nothing, I started doing what I'm teaching now. I started thanking him that he was here. And then as I was thanking him, I thought of Hebrews chapter 13. And I want you to look at this. You know, I've talked about these things. But to me, one of the most important things that I can do, that really any preacher can do, is let you see in the Bible what the Bible says. You know, I know that uh, when I got born again, I went to a good Pentecostal church. And, you know, I can't speak for all Pentecostal churches. This was a church with a lot by feelings. Man, they had to have the goosebumps, the jumping, the a lot of a uh, lot of stuff going on, just a lot of feelings, but they didn't teach a lot of Bible. They talked a lot of Bible, and they always said the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Well then the Lord got me under word of faith preached by Kenneth Hayden, Kenneth Copeland, and people like that. And I come to find out that some of the things they were said the Bible didn't say. Their Pentecostal tradition said it. And so I purposed, as a young preacher, I was going to do everything I could to have people open up their own Bibles so that if I said the Bible said, they would say it was really in the Bible. And then at the same time, at the same time, you know, because the type of church we are, we're a teaching ministry. And because we teach you and make disciples out of you, then you're, you're with your Christian friends that maybe some of them go to churches like that Pentecostal, they do a lot of talking, but not a lot of showing the Word of God. If you're your Christian friends and you tell them, you know what, Jesus wants you to be healed. And then by the time you go to a half a dozen different passages on healing, show them the Bible says, and they sit in their Bible, it changes their life. Amen. And so as I was saying to you, the Bible says you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 5 and verse 6. Hebrews 5 and verse 6. He says, let your conversation, that's talking about your conduct, be without covetousness, that means free from the love of money, and be content 
with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said it. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now look at this. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Well, you can't help somebody unless you're doing something. And so, you know, I think about, I think about different people or different jobs. Yeah, we have so many great people in this church to do so many different things that you need to always remember and always say, the Lord's helped me do this. Amen. You know, I think about Dave working on tractors and stuff. To Some of you work on people's lives and the professions you're in. You work on families and lives and different things you do. You serve a lot of people. But when you recognize that, number one, when you go in and you feel absolutely unanointed, unsaved, feel like a loser, feel like a jerk, and hate what you're doing because the devil's messing with you, you start saying, the Lord's with me. He never left me. And you boldly say, as you're helping people, the Lord's my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord's my helper. And I think about truck driving, the things I said. I remember, <laughs> I remember one year, uh, this was way back in the early 80s, we had a really severe ice storm. And, you know, maybe some of you have never really been in an ice storm, real ice. And it was about 20 below zero, real cold. And at nighttime, I was on the nighttime shift, about 2 o'clock in the morning, they sent me out into the freight yard to get a trailer, semis, hook up to a tractor, and then back it into the dock so they get stuff off it. But I went out there, and you know, I talk this stuff, hope people know what I'm talking about. But if you've been around trucks or if you've ever seen a truck, well, they got a thing called dollies. That's the little legs that come down to hold the trailer up when you pull the tractor away. If you didn't put those legs down, then the truck would fall. Well, they have a gearbox, and their gearbox, they have grease. And when it's 20 below zero on ice, the grease don't move. And back in those days, I wasn't the masculine man I am now. I think I, I, think I weighed about 130 pounds, maybe 140 pounds. I was a little skinny runt. And when you got this big, heavy trailer, and you got this crank you turn, so the legs would go up so you can move the truck, and the grease is froze, nothing happened. And man, I was putting everything I into it, and I said, Lord, I'm so glad you're my helper. And all of a sudden, they start moving. And the Spirit looked beside me, and I saw Jesus right there with me. My hands are moving, and his is moving. And somebody said, well, I don't know about that. Well, what did I need help with at the time? That was my job. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it said, he blesses what I set my hand to. What my hand set to? And so, you know, you think about today, what is my hand set to today? You. Human beings are the work of my hand set. And so that's why when I minister to human beings, I can believe for the Lord to be my helper and bless the work of my hands, putting sermons together, looking at people, helping people. So you think about you. No matter where you are in life or what you're doing, it's not, it's not a feeling. You're living by faith. If God's got you doing what you're doing, you need to be boldly saying, the Lord's my helper. Have you go in, I think about those truck driving days. Man, I think about some of those docks. I wasn't a closet Christian. I didn't get out there and I could nut and preach to everybody boldly, but I stuck out like a heel thumb. 
because I didn't do the stuff they did. I didn't talk the stuff they talked, et cetera, et cetera. I come out of my own business, did my job, and I had a reputation. Everybody knew. Uh, don't act that way around Bernie because he's a Christian. And some people said, he's a real Christian. I was called that sometimes. He's a real Christian. And, it, you know, they even try to mock me sometimes, make fun of me. I remember, I remember, I remember on this one job in one of the trailers, they had white walls inside. They took a black marker and made a real nasty, vulgar picture on that wall there, and they wrote Bernie and pointed that picture there like that was going to get to me. It's just the devil tried to intimidate me, and things happened. All I did was just love Jesus, and you know what? One by one, on every job I ever had, I would have the meanest, nastiest guys come up to me when nobody was looking. Hey, my wife's sick. My mom's sick. Can you say a little prayer for them? And you know what I did? I would do like I did in church. I would say, here, let me pray right now. I'd grab their hand, center. I'd grab their hand. I'd pray for the mom. I'd pray for the wife. They'd look around and see if I was watching. They'd walk away and get back to their life. But I led a lot of those people to Jesus too. Amen. Because I always knew, I boldly said, the Lord's my helper. Like I said, I wasn't saying it to them. I was saying it to him. Thanking him in my prayer closet. But every time those things come out, you know, I got trapped into things sometimes that I didn't want to be talking, saying a lot of stuff because I live in an earth suit too. But, you know, when things would happen, I was the first on the scene. Matter of fact, something happened down in, you know, I haven't thought about this much. I told Mrs. Pastor about it. I by myself down there at the Vista one night, and I was driving down this road, lots of people beside us, and all of a sudden I was hearing this, I looked around with just wall-to-wall cars, and all of a sudden this guy on a motorcycle come in between me and the other car, and we come to a traffic light, and there was one car in front of me, and I looked at these cars about this far apart, and that guy squeezed in between these two cars, the light changed, and I heard, pop, 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 pop. I looked up and saw sparks flying, that guy's motorcycle flying up in the air. So people started getting out of the cars, I got out of my car, walked over there, and just dragged this guy up on the sidewalk, and you think I was an observer? I got up there and got a hold of him. I laid hands on his chest, and the guy was conscious. I said, I want to tell you something. I'm a pastor, and I'm going to pray for you. And the guy, I broke my freaking leg. I broke my freaking leg. And I, I just laid hands on him. I prayed, I released the Lord of God in the name of Jesus. And I told him, Jesus spared his life, going to take care of him, and everything's going to be okay. And I got back in my car. You know, what do we do in life? We're out here to do what we're supposed to do, not just in church, but in real life. And I asked, I asked the kid, a young guy about 20 years old, I said, man, what happened? He said, I've just been an idiot. I said, God loves idiots. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But that, 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 that's how it is. We're who we are. We live by faith, not by our feelings. You think I felt real anointed right then in the midst of all that traffic, which I hate to be in the traffic? I didn't feel anointed, but like I said this morning, our hands aren't just human hands. Our hands are the hands of God. They're anointed hands, not just in church, everywhere we go. And so he said, he said, I will boldly say, you know what the Bible says? It says we may boldly say, well, who do you think that we are? That's us. That's the ones that are Christians reading the Bible. If the Bible says you're supposed to say something, you better start saying it. Well, you know, I don't like to talk in front of people. I never like to talk in front of people either. Until Jesus called me to be a preacher, 
And sometimes I still don't like it. But I know I'm bold. Because he said we can boldly say. And so you need to get over that stuff. Well, I think about that time I got to meet, uh, see Betty in the hospital. She's in the hospital down there. Was that St. Mary's? It was, wasn't it? She's at St. Mary's Hospital. Mr. Pastor, I went down there to see her. And so we left her room. We're going back down. And all of a sudden, they're blocking off the lobby and telling us we can't go out. And I said, what's going on? They said, there's an active shooter in the parking lot. And so all these people are cowered in fear. And I did that for about 30 seconds. And then I walked up to the witness. And there was about, that I don't know, 20, 30, 40 police cars. They had every kind of police car and everybody you can think of out there in the parking lot. I just walked up there to the window. And I stuck my hand up. And I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I've got authority over you, you spirit of murder. You're bound in Jesus' name. Cease and desist your actions. And in the name of Jesus, that man's not going to get killed by the police. There's not going to be one police where everybody else shot. And then when I did, all these people were cowards said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh? They said amen. They said amen. And so anyway, then I walked back to the crowd, and I don't think it was over 10 minutes after that. They said, all clear, everybody can leave. You know, did I feel like doing that? Feelings have nothing to do with it. In my heart, in my heart, I know the Word of God. I know the Word of God. And because I know I've got authority over all the power of the enemy, you stop to think something like that going on, that's not God doing it. The devil's inspired somebody else to do something mean. And whoever that guy was doing that, I didn't want to get killed by the police. And I didn't want any police hurt or anybody else. And so Jesus told me in Luke 10, 19, I'm not supposed to be afraid of anything, so I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall any means hurt you. Amen. Is this preaching helping anybody? Amen. you got to understand how life works. Church, and I've said this about our church many times, we're not just a nice little neighborhood church. We're a regional church sent here by God change this world around us, starting right here in Barstow and all this region around us. We're people here. We're a spiritual distribution center. We're here to change our area of living. Amen. And it all starts one person at a time, starting with me, starting with you, and then one family at a time, your family, and then one church at a time, as people get a hold of who they are and what they can do and begin to walk that out by faith and not by feelings, it changes everything. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, to stir up our, the gifts in us, we've got to begin talking about some things. I want you to look at Philemon 6. That's one little chapter right before the book of Hebrews. Just go back to the left. I want you to Philemon 6. Verse 6. Our church teaches this a lot, and I think a lot of churches probably don't, but one of the greatest things you have in your life is your mouth hooked up to your heart. One of the worst, one of the worst things that a Christian can have in their life is their mouth hooked up with their head and with their feelings. 
I just don't feel saved. I like what Dr. Summerall used to say. He said, he said, throw your feelings in the trash can where they belong. Well, I don't think anybody in this church likes me. Dr. Summerall said, my happiness is not based upon what's in somebody else's stupid head. My happiness is based upon my life serving Jesus. If somebody in this church don't like you, that's their problem. You pray for them. You love them because that's what the Bible says too. Well, how do you love somebody? You love by faith, not by sight. You love by faith, not by sight. Love treats somebody right, not because they're getting treated back right, because the Bible says love. Your faith works by love. Love never fails. The love of God's in your heart. The love of God's a fruit of the Spirit. I mean, it tells you everything you want to know about that. And so we don't retaliate, we love. Amen. Somebody says amen or oh me. Philemon 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual or effective. How's that? By the acknowledging of every dumb thing you've ever done. By the acknowledging of what a loser your family is. By the acknowledging of how, how you was raised wrong and your family wasn't a Christian family. By the acknowledging of every lack and every fault and every, every evil thing. No, your faith gets effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Can you see? That's how I stirred myself up tonight. As I walked through that building over there, I started talking about what was in me what he was doing. And what happened? Man, you got a fired up pastor again walked over. I was fired up, but it had to be stirred up. I've got it all in me. I had to stir it up. And on your lives, you've got to do the same thing. You know, you get up, you know, I just think about how people talk about what, what do they say, like TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I thank God it's Monday. I thank God it's Tuesday. I thank God it's Wednesday. I thank God for every day, not just Friday. Oh, boy, we got the Monday blues. I don't know about the Monday blues or the Tuesday blues or any blues. I know about the Holy Ghost that lives in me. I know about eternal life that's in me. I know about the fruit of the Spirit that's in me. I know about greater hits in me than hits in the world. That's what I know about. So what difference does it make what day it is? Praise God for Friday, but aren't you glad you're alive and you praise Him for Monday and Tuesday and every other day? Amen. So the acknowledge of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And so I looked at this, and I thought about what Paul said in Timothy. He said, stir up the gifts. He says the good things. Well, gifts, good things. Anything in you from God's a gift. If it's from God, it's a good thing. He said, stir it up. And, you know, you think about that. If you ever had a fireplace or a campfire or anything else, sometimes those little things get down to where there's little bitty orange things. They'd throw two twigs on them or something, just blow on them a little bit, and phew, you'd have to put any more matches on anything. You're already lit. They just lost the flame. So you got to blow them, stir them up, whatever you got to do, you got to get them going. And so if you're saved, you're walking with Jesus, man, you got it. You got as much now as you have when you got born again. I mean, how could eternal life increase? You got it, you got it. You got these things in you. What I want to do is one of some of the gifts or good things in us from Jesus, there's a lot of them. But for the sake of what we're preaching, I just want to look at one verse 
Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And I'm thinking about us as Christians. I'm thinking about our life. And you know, I just, I just think about how sad it is. So many Christians, because they don't feel spiritual, they give a bad uh, representation to the people they work with in their families of what it is to be a Christian because they always feel sorry for us. They always feel down. They never feel alive as people look at them. And I know that me, the one, the one, the one example I always think, I still see this guy's face. Man, I was living in Centerville. I was super heathen. I loved to party, drink, mess around, do the stupid stuff I did. I had went to the Baptist church when I was a boy, and I, and I did get born again as a freshman, lasted for a while, but then I didn't walk with Jesus. I remember on the freight dock one day, on, on truck docks, used to be other trucking companies bring freight to you, and you give them, you trade things back and forth to different truck routes. I remember this guy here, we were sitting there signing our paperwork, we got done, and I was, I just pure heathen. I mean, I knew what, I knew what the things were because I had walked with it for a while. And we're sitting there, and this guy says, you got to get saved. And just look back down again, just pop that off. Just, and this guy looked so depressed in life, and I wasn't sure I heard him right. I said, what would you say? You got to get saved. And all I thought, all I thought to myself was, if that means going to church with people like you, I don't want it. I really thought that as a sinner. I thought, man, if getting saved means I have to be depressed, I've enjoyed my life. It was a deceived life. I mean, it was phony, drinking and thinking all my friends were drinking friends and all that stupid stuff. thought that was real living, but at least I was getting a laugh some. I wasn't saved. I was going to hell, but I wasn't walking around so depressed that nobody wanted to be around me. And then I think about another guy. He is a mechanic where I worked at. And uh, he was an alcoholic. And then he'd have bouts where he went to church. When he went to church, he'd change. He'd come into church. He'd look at me or the other guy smoking a cigarette. You ought to throw that ugly thing away. That's evil. Or whatever else we do. You shouldn't talk like that. That's sin. Well, then we wouldn't see him for a couple weeks because he's out on one of his benches. Then he'd come back into, into work, tried to keep his job because he wasn't drunk this week. And then next thing you know, he's preaching to us again, condemning us to hell. And so I remember, I remember when I was sitting in the Sunshine Inn. That was it wasn't the Jesus place, it was the name of the tavern, the Sunshine Inn. Me and, me and my brother-in-law sitting there drinking our beer, cashed our pay, paychecks there. Glory to God, thank God for us cashing paychecks at the tavern. Whew. Wow, that was bad. But anyway, we're sitting there, we're having a conversation. And this is before I got born again, and I wasn't, you know, using the terminology about salvation, stuff like that. But we got to talk about this guy. And my brother-in-law was talking, I was talking. I said, you know what? If I ever start going to church, I'm not going to be like we named his name. I said, I'm going to be all the way or not at all. I said, if I'm going to be a church person, I mean, right away, we said, if I was ever get born again Christian. But I wasn't a Christian. I didn't talk that talk then. I said, if I ever start going to church, it's all or nothing. And you know, remember this morning, the verse we looked at in 2 Chronicles 69, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro to show himself strong in behalf of his hearts are fully committed to him. 
I was born again for two or three years, I think probably a couple of years. And one day out of the blue, I heard this in my heart. I heard you that day at the Sunshine Inn. And I forgot all about that conversation. And I thought, what do you mean the Sunshine Inn? He said, I heard you that day you were talking to Kenny. And I forgot all about that. He brought that conversation back to me. He said, I knew you meant that even then. He said, I took you at your word. And so what I'm saying for us as Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. Whether you feel saved or not, you are. And so, you know, there's a saying sometimes, you know, if you're happy and you know it, let your face show it. Let your face show it. If you don't think you have anything to smile about, you're going to heaven. You get around these sinners that aren't going to heaven, man, you ought to smile. And then Peter said it this way. He said, he said you ought to live your life different when they ask you a reason for the hope in you. I remember another, I remember another day coming across the dock. <laughs> these old stories. Pastor Dave, you may have heard these stories when you were young. Lots and lots of times, but maybe my grandkids haven't heard them all. I'll tell this for my grandkids. I remember one day, summertime, humidity back in Indiana, stayed around 80 or 90% in the summertime, so we'd have, not like desert heat, but you got 90 degrees, and you're in a non-air-conditioned truck, and these things, 90% humidity, it's pretty rough. I remember I'd been working all day, and I come walking across the dock. I wouldn't think about anybody. Me and Jesus, hang, hang, this pastor Jesus and I, hung out together all day long in my truck as I drove, and we went places like that. And so all I did come across the dock, I wasn't thinking about anything, just kind of skipping across the dock after a long day, got all these heathen all around doing their thing. I remember, I, don't, I must have been singing or something, and all of a sudden I heard this one guy that told me one time, he's an atheist, he told me that. He said, I'm an atheist, don't ever mess with me. I heard his voice way up there there the dock. He said these words, that ain't right, nobody can be that happy all the time. I heard those exact words. He said, nobody can be that happy all the time. I can. Sometimes I may not have a lot of reason for the happiness, but I've got the joy of the Lord. If I'm walking with Jesus, it comes bubbling out. And you know, whether it comes bubbling out in church where Christians see me, or bubbling out in public where the heathens see me. What difference does it make? I'm walking with Jesus. Well, how are you doing that by faith? Amen. So Ephesians 2.8, Ephesians 2.8, and we're talking about stirring up the gift of God. What's the gift of God in you? Well, this is part of it, not all of it, just a small part. Verse 8, look at this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the what? Gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. And this thing right here, I'll point out again as a Bible teacher, I see things I need to point out to you. You're saved by grace. That's a gift. Through faith, that's a gift. You're saved. That's salvation. That's a gift. And so I have the grace of God in my life. You've got the grace of God in your life. It's a gift. You stir it up. And then when you study the Bible as you're growing as a Christian, you're going to see that one, one flavor of grace is called unmerited favor. I've got the favor of God. I'm blessed in, I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the country. Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Why is that? Because it's a gift from God. And so I know when I go into situations, 
that could not turn out good sometimes because it might be a situation where people have authority in my life and I don't think they like me or something like that. I walk in, stir up the gift of God. Father, I want to thank you for favor. As I walk here today, Lord, I want to thank you for favor. And, you know, I just think about uh, different people, different places. Uh, sometimes you know somebody that's a good Christian friend or family member say, man, I'll tell you what, I've got to deal with this people over here today, and I know you're part of their realm of influence. Would you do me a favor and just put in a word for me or something like that? Well, what are you doing? You're asking for favor. I say, Jesus, I know you know the number of every hair on this man's head. Lord, you know when he lays down, you know when he gets up, and you know I'm getting ready to go in there and deal with this, Lord. I just ask you to give me favor with him. Give me favor, Lord. You know what? I've stirred up the gift of God in me. I got that grace. And it's the same thing with the faith of salvation. Paul said, stir up that gift. And so if you don't still if you don't feel saved, you just need to close your eyes, get in that secret place, raise your hands, open your mouth, say, Father, I want to thank you. I've been saved through grace. Lord, I didn't earn it. It wasn't by works. It came from you. And Lord, I'm so glad to know, although I can't see the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says there's a book of life. And Lord, I want to thank you. My name's in it. So Father, no matter how bad this looks right now, I know one thing, I'm going to heaven. I want to thank you. You know what starts happening? All of a sudden, you start feeling saved. Things change. You open your eyes, still see the ugly world. Well, if you didn't get enough yet, go back for another dip. Close your eyes again. Go back in, and then you go out and face the world again. Amen. This help anybody? Praise God. That's how it works. That is how it works. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to say this, too. Laying on of hands is not a magic wand. Laying on of hands uh, can't change your ugly attitude. But because the Bible does teach, like Paul just said in 2 Timothy 1.6, we looked at, that said, said you receive things from laying on of hands. We can lay hands on you and release anointing. And, you know, a lot of times we're up here when we have this altar call, uh, Pastor Jazz, Pastor Dave, Pastor Katie, uh, come up here by faith, not by feelings. <laughs> Let's stand up. And you know, the Bible teaches that on our hands we can impart blessings, gifts, healing, lots of things happen through hands. And so if you need hands laid on you tonight to help stir you, we'll lay hands on you. But the thing is, as, as the breath of God blows through us on you to stir those embers, you have to do something too. You have to open your mouth. Pray in tongues, thank him, praise him, do something. If you need, if you need your fire lit for you go out to face Monday tomorrow, then come up here and we'll lay hands on you. And uh, that's what we're here about, to equip the saints for victorious Christian living. We want to help you. So if you need hands laid on you, then step up here by faith. And if you don't, then participate as we pray for other people from where you are, just open your mouths, open your hearts, just start singing praises to Jesus, and we're going to see people leave here blessed. Amen.
Jesus for me, for me, now only Jesus for me, for me, now only Jesus for me, for me, now only Jesus for me, for me. Jesus for me, for me, now only Jesus for me, for me, now only Jesus for me, for me, now only Jesus. Just you, let my heart 
blessed you, the riches of this world could never satisfy, let my heart walk for you, let my heart walk for nothing but you, just you, let my heart walk for nothing but you, just you, the riches of this world could never satisfy, let my heart walk for only you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, Walter, will you come up here? Amen. You know, what what? spiritual man in this church, he really likes my stories. <laughs> this guy tells me all the time how he likes my stories. But anyway, I'm going to ask Walter in a minute to close out the confession and prayer and things like that. But, but Walter, Walter is one of the most solid, stable men of God I know. A lot of you don't really know him up close. <clears throat> a lot of you don't see him because he, he's really quiet, but he's powerful. And I know on his job out at the Marine base, he's an awesome, awesome disciple, representative of Jesus out there at the base. I know that because, you know, we had, we just really get to talk before and after service sometimes like that. But this guy here is solid, solid, solid. He's an awesome man of God. He's raised a great, great family. He is really, really good. You know, our church is loaded with men of God that, you know, they may be quiet, but they're powerful and they're really good. We got, we got an awesome church. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because I think about my stories. I thought, man, this was Walter's night, man. I got to tell a bunch of them. This was your night. <laughs> Did I tell them right this time or did they change? It's still good? <laughs> okay, good. Anyway, Walter, would you pray and close Amen. us out? I'm, I'm going to let him do that. And it was funny because right before service, Pastor Katie and I were complimenting him, and he's always like, stop, stop. But and then he told me, he's like, you know what? I've learned to just say thank you. It's okay to let people compliment me. So none of this was planned. I didn't know that, but hey, man. All right. Love you, brother. <laughs> oh, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for tonight's word. And we ask in your son Jesus' name that you continue to watch over us, protect us, keep us, keep us safe as we leave the house of worship. And we just give thanks, Father God. And we thank you for all things that you do for us. In Jesus' name we, in Jesus name we pray these things. Amen. Okay, uh, the Barstow Faith Confession. Okay, okay. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus and to save. In Jesus' name, amen.